0: Welcome to the next episode of the Carrots and Cake Podcast. I have a special guest here today with me. I have Hope Pedraza, um, who is a certified Pilates instructor, certified personal trainer, certified holistic nutritionist specializing in plant-based nutrition. Um, and she is also completing her FDN practitioner certification. So we definitely have a lot in common. She's also a blogger and a podcaster, and she's the founder of in Balance, a Pilates-based boutique fitness franchise that is changing bodies and souls. I'm definitely excited to talk about her because we are going to dive deep into gut health, plant-based nutrition, all that good stuff. Um, Hope is all about helping women lose weight, heal their body with a plant focused diet, using movement and nutrition to lead others to live with purpose. Her approach is to empower women to educate and inform themselves to make empowered health decisions for their body and move for the joy of movement. So that is her official bio, but coming from her, it would probably sound a lot more natural and less awkward. <laughs> As I was reading it, I was like, oh man, this sounds kind of <laughs> kind of funny. So yeah. Hope, now that you are here, a guest of my podcast, I would love for you to introduce yourself. I mean, we have an idea of what you are all about, what yeah. you do, um, but we'd love to hear it right from you.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I am, like you said, I'm a holistic nutritionist and I'm finishing up my FDN, uh, P right now. I'm almost done. So um, yeah, and then I, I, where I started was with my Pilates studio. So my background is in dance and I started my Pilates studio about nine years ago and um, just kind of built it into this franchisable model. And so that's kind of where I'm at at on the brick and mortar side, but they, the two worlds melt together nicely because everybody needs movement. Everybody needs nutrition and you can't have one without the other. So it, it all works. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Um, So you are all about a plant-based diet and Did you have kind of a health story that led you to more of a plant-based diet or did something happen with your health?
1: Yeah, I did a little bit. Yeah. So I grew up with a lot of digestive issues. Um, I was in and out of different doctors and stuff. I had multiple colonoscopies before I was like in high school, just trying to figure out what was going on and nothing like life-threatening or anything. I know people have a lot more horror stories than I have. But, um, anyway, it ended up being one of those things where doctors like, oh, you have IBS, which doesn't mean anything. And they don't tell you what to do about it. And so, um, you know, I kind of later on, as I educated myself a little bit more throughout college and beyond, I decided just to kind of take it upon myself to figure out, you know, what I could do to make myself feel better. And so I, I started reading some books on a vegan diet and I, I read this one and I read another one. and, And finally I was like, Okay tomorrow I'm going to be vegan. And that's what I did. Like I, I said this on an interview. I did ago. I don't recommend many people doing it that way, but I, that's my personality. That's just how I am. Just like, I'm just going to go for it. And so I just decided I was going to jump in. And for me, it was more of the health, you know, the health benefits of it. I know lots of people do plant-based for multiple reasons. For me, it was more about the health benefits just to see you know what would happen and i started feeling so much better and so i'm like you know what this works for me so yeah.
0: yeah 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 and i mean that's the thing with digestive issues and especially in recent times i mean maybe nowadays i think the IBS diagnosis is becoming a little bit more acceptable that it's just kind of like a catch all for digestive issues, Um, but back then, I mean, did your doctors give you any direction as far as like what to eat or what to do, or did you really just stumble upon this yourself?
1: Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, the only thing they did at one point they told me I needed to get, actually, I'm pretty sure I got more than one and I get an allergy test, seeing if it was like a food allergy and it wasn't um, I, it did show that I was, um, sensitive to lactose, which to dairy, which I, I kind of had an idea of. Um, so I, I was able to kind of, and I didn't immediately get rid of all of it. Cause I you know, it's still a kid. So I'm like, I'm not going to stop drinking milk. <laughs> um, but then later on, you know, as I got older, I'm like, okay, clearly this needs to, this is like affecting me. So, but yeah, other than that, it was just like, oh, you have IBS. Okay. That's it. And then that kind of just send you on your way and you're like, well, okay, now what do I do with that? So yeah, i just kind of took it upon myself to figure out what to do about it.
0: Yeah. 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 And so just from, uh, you know, your own research and, you know, practicing more of a plant-based diet, um, what do you think are like the big health benefits for somebody that's maybe new to this? I mean, I feel like the plant-based stuff is very hot right now. Everybody's transitioning. Um, but Mm -hmm. what do you think are the the biggest benefits for somebody who might want to try this out?
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And I do agree with you. And I, I I, like to have like educated conversations about it with people because it is kind of trendy right now. and And it can be really misleading because there's really clever marketing that makes people think all plant-based foods are healthy and they're not. So I think that it is important to come at it from like an uh, informed, you know, perspective, but I think really the main benefits when we're looking at plant-based it's, you know, it's a, it's taking a whole foods perspective. It's looking at it from the whole food side. And, um, you know, my big thing is what I help my clients with, with their gut health is all about the fiber. And for me, that's like the magic ingredient, if you will, it's not an ingredient, but it's like the magic piece that is in plants and in plant-based food is the fiber. And the majority of people don't get enough fiber. Um, the FDA's recommendation, in my opinion, is terrible for fiber and people aren't even meeting that recommendation. And so I think for a lot of people, um, that's the, the, the missing piece is the fiber piece. And for multiple reasons, it's, it's, there's lots of reasons why it's so important. But the other part, and I can talk about that in a second, but the other part of, plant, of plant-based diet that's so helpful is um, all the vitamins and minerals that are in these plants. So when you're looking at you know, fruits and veggies and legumes and nuts and seeds, all of them are full of vitamins and minerals, full of antioxidants and phytonutrients. It's all the things that help build a healthy gut, not only a healthy gut, but it helps build healthy, healthy cells and all of the other functions that go on in your body, it's helping those as well. So it's, it's all the makeup of you know, what's in plant-based foods and it's the, it's the fiber really.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm so glad that you called out the whole food approach because yeah, you could be, you know, a plant-based person and, you know, practice a plant-based diet, but fill your diet with those like processed meats and those processed milks with like all the weird chemicals and I don't know, eat bagels and things like that. And it's definitely like a plant-based approach where you actually consume plants and healthy foods. And then there's like the processed side of things. Right. And it's just what you're saying about the marketing. I mean, there is so much clever marketing around, you know, plant-based and like these healthy things. But when you actually read the ingredients, there's like 20 ingredients. And right. You're
1: weird, like, what is this? You know, mm-hmm.
0: fillers and preservatives and emulsifiers and like all yep. this stuff. And like, none of that is good for the gut. I yeah, yeah. exactly. 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 Yeah. And I mean, that's something I've definitely fallen into personally when I was trying to go more plant-based and I, I have my own GI issues and I'm sure I was not helping the situation, but mm-hmm. yeah, it took me, you know, a while to figure out that actually plant-based meant plants.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> like yeah. Actual food. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, good,
0: healthy things. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as um, a plant-based diet goes, you know, how does it actually help with the gut and help healing yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. So, so I mentioned the fiber before, and that's, you know, I said, it's kind of like, for me, it's like the magic ingredient that's in plants. And really for me, it's all about the fiber. So when, when you eat fiber, the byproduct when it's broken down are these short chain fatty acids. And these are like, I mean, they're really like magic. I mean, they help build healthy um, stomach lining and intestinal lining. They help build healthy gut flora. They feed the gut flora. So it just helps this, you know, the gut bacteria in your gut perforate proliferate so you have more healthy gut bacteria and um and then in addition to that with the fiber the other benefits of fiber you know it helps with stable blood sugar and it helps your body eliminate toxins because it helps build healthy bile flow in your body so it helps you eliminate toxins and eliminate excess cholesterol and excess excess fatty acids so it can help you lose weight of course like you're saying before, when it's done right um but there's so many benefits of the fiber and that's really how um how it helps build or helps, helps heal the gut is through that fiber and how it's broken down in the body. Um, and it kind of just, uh, helps that healing process.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. And I mean, um, I'm sure you know all about butyrate and that's like a huge thing as far Mm -hmm. as gut healing goes and, you know, something, you know, as somebody with IBD, you know, we're always talking about butyrate and the short Mm -hmm. chain fatty acids, Um, and a question kind of related to this. So with somebody who has like severe digestion issues would you steer them maybe you know clear of the fiber for a short period yeah of time to get for sure control?
1: I mean yeah I think that's
0: a confusing piece or something no
1: definitely definitely in it and it, you know I have to deal with that with my clients too because um of course you know I actually just did I was doing this thing on Instagram earlier about this it's bio-individuality right everybody is different everybody's going to mm-hmm. react to things differently And especially when someone's not used to eating very much fiber, they're like, you know, they start eating it and they come back to me and they're like, well, I feel worse than I felt before. Like I'm all bloated and all, you know, so your body, you have to train your gut, just like you would train any other muscle in the body. Like your gut has to be able to adjust to the things that you're putting in it and get used to breaking down the things that you're putting in it. Because too, if you're not used to eating certain things, your your the enzymes in your digestive system have to get used to working again. Like you're putting new things in it and it's like, well, I got to figure out what's going on in here. So you have to um, kind of have a slow process, right? When you're incorporating new, f- new foods in general and especially with more fiber, because yeah, if you overload the body with fiber too quickly, your body's going to be like, hold up, I can't, I can't do anything with all this stuff you're throwing in here. So it, it definitely needs to be a little bit of a process um, when you're incorporating more. And so, um, and two, to your point, people that already have digestive issues also needs to be... Um, you know, there is a little bit more intentionality when there's somebody with gut issues because there might be certain foods that your body may not react to at all, right? Like certain, you know, fruits, if you're looking at FODMAPs, for example, some people aren't gonna react well to all of those. So you have to be careful when you're incorporating new foods with um, people with certain gut issues that it's that's a mind, there's a mindful approach to it and you're not just throwing all the plants in it, you know, all at once.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I do with my clients as well. Um, Just kind of that, that slow and steady approach to adding more fiber, because like you said, most people aren't even getting close to, I mean, I typically recommend, you know, 25 to 35 grams of you know, dietary fiber per day. Of course, if you get more, that's great. But, you know, most people are getting, you know, less than 10 grams a day. Oh, yeah. So to go from 10 grams to like 25, 35 yeah. grams. Oh my <laughs> gosh. It's going to be so much GI distress yes. so you definitely yes. need to go slow. And then, um, kind of related, just, you know, a little personal story. Have you heard of this whole bean protocol?
1: I don't think so. So
0: <laughs> Basically, it's like eating a lot of beans, um, beans or lentils you could throw in there. And I did this for a very, a number of months, but it's uh-huh. a ton of soluble fiber, which is good yeah. for the gut, good for yeah. hormones, all that stuff. But I got so many questions from people asking if I had like really bad gas from yeah. Eating yeah. beans. And yes, in the beginning, I absolutely did. But over, you know, two, three, four weeks, um, that gas went away and it was a hundred percent my body getting used to yep. eating all that fiber. And now totally. um, it's not an issue at all. So, I mean, yep. it, it's just crazy. It's a
1: testament. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's how it works it just has to get used to it.
0: Yeah. And like you said, just like kind of like training your gut, you know, to Mm -hmm. like digest different types of foods.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, so back to, um, digestive issues, because obviously this is something I have been dealing with for a while now. And I work with a lot of clients as far as GI issues go. Um, but what do you think are some of the biggest sources of digestive issues?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I feel like you go so many directions with this, I find that, um, yeah, so, you know, we're looking at digestive issues a lot most of the time we're looking at just overall inflammation in the gut right and what causes the overall inflammation in the gut and this is from things like processed foods right like you like you were talking about before how you can do the plant-based thing in the wrong way right eating a lot of processed stuff so it's the processed foods it's the chemicals in food it's you know all the things that aren't really real food they're like manufactured foods all that stuff is going to cause distress in the gut and it's going to cause inflammation in the gut. And then in addition to that, you know, when there's other things going on in the body, um, you know, whether it's autoimmune issues or whatever, you're naturally going to be more sensitive to certain things. And, And so there are certain foods that certain groups of people are gonna be more reactive to. I did, this is what I was talking about earlier on Instagram where, you know, gluten might not bother some people but it could b- bother other people. And, um, you know, nightshades might bother some people it may might not bother other people. So it's also gonna depend on your body. Again, it's that bio-individuality thing, right? Um, but, but as a whole, it's the most inflammatory things are gonna be like processed foods, um, dairy is super inflammatory and sugar is super inflammatory. Those are really the things that are causing like major damage on the gut. And then if you do have any other underlying issues, then you can cause, you know, damage from eating foods that aren't, um, that aren't being metabolized properly in, in your gut. Cause, cause I know you've probably talked about this before with, you know, your clients and with multiple episodes, because you are an FDMP, but we talk about, um, you know, Per, uh, intestinal permeability when you have that inflammation that just it's just perpetual then you're going to build up you know those little perforations in the gut and that's what's going to cause just that more expansive um, inflammation in the body mm-hmm. and it's really from all of those foods like I was about the um, you know processed foods and sugar and dairy those kind of things that are that are causing the real damage.
0: Yeah. 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 And then that kind of leads to all sorts of food sensitivities where, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not just reacting to those inflammatory foods, you're reacting Mm -hmm. to everything. Mm -hmm. Um, Lord knows I've been there. Um, So speaking of food sensitivities, what are, you know, the biggest causes that you see or have experienced?
1: Uh, Food sensitivities just in general.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I work a lot with a lot of my clients have autoimmune issues and, um, and for most of them, really, it's been, you know, it's been this chronic issue they've been dealing with. Right. And for the most part, it, it does go back to intestinal, this leaky gut, right. It goes back to, they've had this chronic inflammation for a while, and now they've got, you know, some sort of permeability going on. And so it, so now they have all the, like, this so I have one specific client. I'm still working with her and I mean, poor thing. She's just, her body was just so inflamed when she came to me, I mean, I mean, literally like, she was like, I feel like I can't eat anything, like anything I eat it's just everything reacts. And so it was such uh, I mean, it had to be down to the most minute detail of everything she was eating because she had so much inflammation. So, um, so in terms of, you know, what causing or, or, what, uh, what, no, I forgot your question. <laughs> <I'm
0: on track. laughs> so like the biggest causes of food sensitivity, causes, yes. which, yeah, yeah, know, yeah, is the leaky gut, but I mean, yes anything that you've experienced personally or working with clients, because that's definitely a question that I get from people. Yes. All the time. They ask about food sensitivity tests right. and things like that. And right. I think they can be kind of helpful, but I mean, as we know, food sensitivities can change. They can get better or totally. worse depending on what you are consuming. But a lot of times it is because of an underlying issue. It's not yeah. just you suddenly became sensitive Ex- to certain foods. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Well, and I think that's the thing too. I think, you know, we hear so much about you know, gluten is bad and soy is bad and all these different things. When it's like, okay, maybe that's true for some people, but I think the better the better question is, the, the, the question shouldn't be, you know, should I eat gluten, should I eat soy? So the better question I think is, you know, why am I reacting to these things? Because the sensitivity, it's really, it's the root cause is where we wanna know. It, it's not like whether I should, should or shouldn't eat gluten. Well, if you're having a reaction to it, then there's something else going on in your body that we need to figure out what's going on. Because a lot of times with my clients, you know, we do with all the elimination stuff and then they can reintroduce some things back into their diet that they hadn't been able to eat before. And it doesn't mean you have to get rid of all these things forever. It's mm-hmm. that you need to eliminate certain things, right. To start that healing process. And then you can reintroduce things to see if your body is okay with them now. And that's usually the journey that my clients take is it's, you know, let's see what's causing the reaction, which a lot of times it's, you know, it's gluten or it's, um, it's for her, she had a really high, this one client I was talking about, she had like super sensitive to histamine, like her histamine reactions were off the chart. And so it was foods that are high histamine. So it was putting her on a low histamine diet for a while. So it's just trying to calm the body down, start that healing process to get the gut heal with, you know, more plant-based foods and with a good like probiotic and prebiotic supplement and some other stuff going on to help with the healing process. But I think it's, um, you know, I think for me that what I've seen, it's mostly these, um, gluten is a big one for people and it's just the the foods, like the processed foods itself. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. 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 And I mean, that's the one thing that I always tell my clients and my group coaching clients, if they get one thing out of working with me is that the quality of your food matters, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think, processed food is, is delicious. It's convenient. It's easy. Um, but really, um, eating those whole foods is what's going to benefit your gut the most. Um, and it's, you know, it's like that saying you can't out supplement a bad diet. I mean, it really does come down to the quality of what Mm -hmm. you're eating. Um, so for somebody who is just embarking on a plant-based diet, um, or even healing their gut, I mean, this could Mm -hmm. be kind of a, a combo question. Um, where would you have them start? Like what would be the first steps? Because I think gut health and like changing your diet, it can be very overwhelming.
1: Totally. Yeah. There's so much out there and you don't know where to start. And yeah, I think, um, and this is why, you know, one of the reasons why I, I talk about taking a plant-focused approach rather than saying a plant-based approach so it's not mm-hmm. too restrictive for people. So it's more just about incorporating more plants. It doesn't have to be 100% plants, but just incorporating more plants. So Um, For people just getting started, that's, that's my, that's my um, advice is just how can you incorporate more plants into your diet? You know, how can you, if you're, if you're eating meat, you know, every meal of the day, how can you make just one meal a day plant-based? Usually the easiest way to get started is breakfast. That's like the easiest one to make plant-based. So maybe you switch your regular dairy yogurt to, you know, cashew yogurt, or maybe you, um, you know, you eat, oatmeal instead of an egg or something just replace whatever animal-based food you're eating with plant-based so eating one plant-based meal a day and then just figuring out how to make plants the focus of your meal so if even if you are eating meat the focus of your plate the focus of your meal is still plants so we have a bigger portion of plants whether it's you know whole grains fruits vegetables whatever it is legumes lentils making that the focus of your plate and making meat more of like the side dish you know like where it's not the focus of of your plate
0: Yeah, I love that, especially with like the breakfast. I think that's like Mm -hmm. a perfect place to try that. Mm -hmm. Um, And kind of related because I know... Um, people who do more of like a plant-based diet, they're always wondering how they can get enough protein and protein. amino acids and things like that. What's your opinion on that? Because I definitely know coming from like the macro world, everyone's like, oh, you got to get your protein in make sure you hit totally, your protein goal. Totally, um, yeah. But somebody who is more plant-based or vegetarian or even vegan, um, it can be really hard to get that protein. Yeah. So do you have any yeah. advice
1: there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, you know, finding the most protein dense foods and plants, you know, knowing what those are, is going to be key. So for me, and when I recommend to my plants, like lentils are like really my go-to for people. They're easier to digest than most other beans. Mm-hmm. And they're one of the highest in protein, unless you're looking like mung beans are really high. There's a couple other beans that are really high in protein, but you're looking at um, legumes really is where you're going to find the most protein dense um, plants and, and just front, try doing the right combinations. Cause I, I, um, I heard somebody talking about this, or maybe it was a post and I didn't want to start an argument, so I didn't. I didn't comment. But I ended up putting something on my Instagram because I'm like, okay, people need to know this because there's a lot of. I feel like there's a lot of misinformation about um, amino acids and how you know, oh, don't eat. You know, don't get your pr- uh, protein from plants because they're not complete proteins, which is true. But when you combine different plants together, that makes them complete proteins. So you don't have to get complete complete protein when you're eating just the protein source. If you put, you know, lentils with brown rice, well now you have a complete protein. because you get all the amino acids when you put those two together? So I don't think, um, people need to worry so much about getting the right combination of amino acids and they're looking at getting protein because you're going to get them. If you're eating a combination of plant foods and you're eating a good variety of plant-based foods, you're going to get the amino acids that you need. Um, it's just knowing what the most protein sources are. And that's going to be, um legumes are a great source and then seeds and nuts too and things like hemp seeds hemp seeds are really high in protein obviously they're higher in fat, so you kind of have to weigh out you know your macro count if you're tracking macros um but those are really good places to start edamame is a good source if soy if you know if you're okay eating soy if soy is an inflammatory for you i love edamame i can eat it all day long so that's a really good source of protein as well
0: yeah. 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 And I, am glad that you called out the lentils with the rice. We're actually big rice and beans people. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of our, you know, favorite meals is rice, beans, well, maybe like throw a veggie in like a broccoli or mm-hmm. some peas or something like that. And then just any sort of sauce. I mean, we'll sometimes yep. put like salsa in or yes. know, a ditching sauce and like mm-hmm. just whatever we can find. And like, that is a complete meal. And it's That's actually a very, meal filling and tasty. Yep. Um, do you have any other favorite meals that are like that, that are kind of like throw together, but you know, yeah. a good amount of protein in?
1: Yeah, that's, and that's, that's really one of ours too. We, you know, finding a way to put like a grain, a veggie and a protein like that is like my go-to. I, we, I love to make different types of Buddha bowls mm-hmm. and my husband loves it too. And so putting a little bit of greens and some grains and some, you know, whatever kind of, we've I've been on a mung bean cake the past few weeks. So I've been doing a lot of mung beans. Um, but yeah, that's usually my go-to. And then too, if we're making um, replacing meat in a dish, so if you know have a favorite recipe that you like and you're looking to replace meat, that's another place that I put lentils too. So making a, you're making like a spaghetti or with like a meat marinara sauce and using the lentils instead of the meat. Um, that's kind of my go-to when I'm doing meat replacement because it's good texture and. Um, and it's, it's high in protein and you get really good. it's a really good source of iron too, which is another thing people worry about like, oh, you're not eating meat, where are you going to get your iron? Um, you can get iron from plants and um, legumes are a really good source of that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. Totally agree with that. Um, so we touched upon this briefly in the beginning, um, but what are some of the biggest mistakes you see when somebody is starting a plant-based diet?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, I guess... Per what we were just talking about. I think one of the things is not being mindful about the protein. And while, yes, I, I, do believe that a protein deficiency is very rare and i'm not usually ever worried about my clients having a protein deficiency but there is also a level where you're like well you also don't want to lose muscle either right we want to keep your metabolism running as as well as possible and so you want to hold on to your muscle you want to eat enough protein to make sure you're not losing your muscle so i think the first thing is not putting um maybe not most. this may not be the most important, but I just think about it because we we're just talking about it. It's just not putting an emphasis on the protein or, or being mindful of finding it. So they're eating, they th- um, you know, salads and veggies and all this stuff, but they're not being mindful of, of that protein source as well. I think that's a misconception too, is people think, Oh, if you eat plant-based you just have to eat salads all day, mm-hmm. which is totally not true. Right. There's so many more things you can eat than just salad. Um, but I think too, um, it's thinking that you have to get your protein from uh, you know those processed sources, which okay if you're going to eat it every now and then, it's just like anything else, right? It's all in balance. If you're going to eat every now and then, okay? Not something you want to eat all the time. Again, I am more a proponent of the whole foods, but you don't you don't have to eat the the processed meats to get your you know to get your protein, and and then two is not supplementing where you need to, and um, you know I know doctors will argue with us all day long about, well, some doctors, not all doctors. I don't know if they're all in the on the same circle here, but I know a lot of doctors will argue with us about supplementation. And a lot of doctors still under that same belief that it just makes really expensive pee, which I disagree with. I'm a firm believer in the right supplementation, but I think it's important too um, that if you're going, especially if you're going 100% plant-based, that you are supplementing in the right way to make sure that you are getting everything you need. You need not that you can't get it all from plants, but there are certain things like B12 and iodine that can be in really short supply in plant-based foods. And you want to make sure you're getting those those, um, those vitamins.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad you said that for sure. And then also um, just the whole idea that you just have to eat a bunch of salads. like mm-hmm. You can't eat other things. And then also yeah. I mean, kind of having like, you know, the all or none mentality around, mm-hmm. you know, a plant-based diet. It doesn't necessarily mean like you can't ever eat animal products, totally. you know, you can still have, yes. um, you know, some grass-fed beef or, yeah. a piece of, you know, wild caught fish, right. or some really good dairy. I mean, it doesn't need to be like an all or none thing. Exactly. And I do think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm plant-based. I can never have right. a burger right. or whatever. Right. It is. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which
1: is why I like to, like I said, I like to use the word plant focus with, with my programs with my clients, because uh, for many reasons, but I, I, I don't like the restriction that that like entails, right? Like if you want to be 100% plant-based, by all means, go for it. But I do feel like it does make people feel too restricted. And then they feel, you know, bad about themselves if they go and have a piece of cheese or something, you know. So I, yeah, I totally agree. It doesn't have to be all or nothing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think it's finding that middle ground for mm-hmm. you as an individual can be much mm-hmm. more sustainable because yeah, if you have that kind of black and white thinking, it can be so hard. Like exactly right. what you said, like you have a piece of cheese and you're like, oh, I mm-hmm. failed. Yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> and you know, you just go, you know, you swing the other way as far as mm-hmm. what you're eating and whatnot. Yep. Um, so yeah, I want to switch gears just a little bit because I know Pilates is a big part of your life. So I wanted to touch upon, you know, what you are doing as far as movement and Pilates. Um, you know, what are your favorite things about that type of movement? Maybe some of the benefits. I mean, I have done a couple classes here and there. Um, but yeah, I would just love to hear, you know, why it's, you know, such a passion for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so like I mentioned before, my background is in dance and that's kind of how I get into Pilates. Um, and so Pilates is all about the core and it's kind of using your own body weight as resistance. And what's so great about it is that it is the emphasis on the core. And I think a lot of people think their core is just their abs, but really your core is from your shoulders to your hips. It's your mm-hmm. whole trunk. And you're working that in such um, you know, focused movements and precise movements. It is so effective and it really is for everybody. And that's kind of the premise of, you know, my studio's imbalance is is just the inclusivity of it all that it is for everybody you know it, it doesn't matter what age or level whatever everybody can do it and it's so beneficial to everybody and you know when you're working the core and you're working all the little minute muscle groups that's really what builds real true strength and stability and helps you as you get older prevent injuries and helps you with functional movement and all of that so it really is beneficial for everybody Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: That core work is so key. Um, and mm-hmm. it's something that I don't enjoy doing. So I'm always mm-hmm. happy when, you know, I, am big into CrossFit. So, mm-hmm. um, when we do have a bunch of core exercises, I'm always like, I hate this, but I know it's so uh, yes. good for me uh, yes. because it makes you stronger with everything else that you're doing. Totally, that's yeah. So important. Me um, too. So for, I get this question quite a bit from women who have just had babies and, you know, their core is, you know, not where it should be. Um, Do you have any advice for somebody getting started? You know, maybe they don't have access to a Pilates studio or, you know, don't really know where to begin. Is there anything that you would have somebody who just, you know, had a baby, they're trying to bring back their core strength, any like movements or anything to pay attention to when they're just getting back to fitness?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's, I get that a lot too. And I actually work with a lot of women, like postpartum that come in mm-hmm. and they want to do private sessions ever to kind of get back, back their core. Um, cause it really is important. And the thing is, you know, most women have some sort of, I would dare to say all women, but I don't want to make a blanket statement like that. Um, almost every woman who has a baby has some sort of ab separation, like your abs literally have to separate to build a human in it, right? Let's be honest. So you're going to have some sort of ab separation. And so your core is not going to work the same right away as it did, you know, before, while you're pregnant or, you know, before. And so it's really important to um, focus on building, like, building back your core from the inside out, right? Building. So the main, one of the main muscle groups you focus on plays is the transverse abdominus, which is like those deep inside core muscles. So like your rectus abdominis is like your six pack. The transverse is like what holds everything in, right? It's what holds your organs and everything in place. It's those deep ab muscles. And that's really what you want to work on when you're rebuilding. And everybody wants to like, and I hate this term, but I'm going to say it anyway, they want to get their pre-baby body back. Mm-hmm. But it's really, it's really more than that. And and I think the women who take a more focused approach on working on their transverse and not worrying about like, you know, losing weight and getting their six pack back is that's really the, the women who they get their quote, bodies back quicker and to get their strength back and their core back quicker is because they're working from the inside out. So it's those deep core work, whether it's like deep breathing, um, it's like, you know, working on diaphragmatic breathing. So you're really focusing on like turning on your transverse again, because your hasn't been used to working so much when you have a human growing in and all the other mm. stuff going on there. Um, so for me, when I'm working with women, we're working on deep breathing and we're working on like, bridging and working on things lying, you know, on our back, moving the legs in certain ways as to not like exacerbate the ab, ab separation, but work on the transfer so that you can eventually get back to, you know, your planks and all that. Cause that's definitely not something you want to jump right into after you've had a baby is doing planks. That's going to make your ab separation way worse and could make it like prolong the, you know, the healing process. So it's more about working on the transverse, re-engaging all that you're like, working on like your corset muscles when you're getting started back into it.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, And I think the other thing to point out is <laughs> all of this takes time. Um, yes. I was the person that, you know, I got the six weeks clearance, you know, after I had my son and I was like, all right, I'm back at it. And mm-hmm. I wish I had spent way more time focusing mm-hmm. on building, rebuilding my core because mm-hmm. I just feel like I suffered through so much pain totally. as far as totally. like training for marathons and mm-hmm. try to do push-ups and I just had no core. Right. Um and I think it's unfortunate that I just think diet culture really pushes us to get that oh, you know, yeah. like your baby your body back after yes. baby. And yes. um you know if you're not doing that quickly, you know, like there's something wrong with you. And I mean yes. it just it yes. takes so much time. And I mean it really
1: does. And you son's... have to give yourself that grace to mm-hmm. you know give yourself the time.
0: Yeah. And I mean, my son is seven now and I feel like I finally have a core again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's totally fine. If it took you that long to get it back. Like, and that's why I said, I hate that term pre baby bodies. It's like, I, it's just so, I just hate that term, but it, but yes, I think, and, and too, and like I said, that's why I feel like it's so crucial To really work on your transverse right when you're getting done because it it does it makes it it's a world of a difference and I've had even some of my instructors that teach in my studios have told me before like they had a baby before they worked for me and they had a baby after and they were like you know being able knowing like what to do it totally changed the postpartum process after knowing like I need to work on my transverse and I I don't need to be doing these exercises yet because I need to be doing these work like it really does make so much of a difference and. And, and then it, it builds the core. So you could, you really could come back stronger, you know, working from that foundational piece rather than like you're saying, cause it, it is a struggle. You're trying to do all these other things, but you haven't even rebuilt your core. So you're going to, you're, everything's going to hurt when you're running or lifting weights or doing crossword or whatever, because your core is like, wait a minute, I can't hold up anything you're trying to do here. So yeah, it definitely makes, it definitely makes a difference. And no, and like you're saying, knowing that it's the process, it's going to be a journey and giving yourself, you know, some time and, you know, being patient with yourself.
0: Yeah. 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 And I mean, you, you, it takes, you know, nine, technically 10 months to grow a baby. Um, and I mean, it should take you, you know, just as long or longer to mm-hmm. you know, rebuild, you know, what yep. you may have had as far as core strength before. But, yep. um, I personally have noticed the difference as far as like back, <laughs> back pain, sure. um, even, you know, things like, you know, doing cleans or snatches or, mm-hmm. you know, squatting, like all of those things have improved because my core strength has improved. Yep. Um, yep. but yeah, I skipped over all of that after myself. Yeah. So many
1: people yeah. do. I mean, you know. <laughs>
0: Well, anyways, this has been awesome. I have loved chatting with you. Um, so much good information. I mean, you talked about all my favorite topics as far That's as awesome. gut. <laughs> um, but um, where can people find you if you want to share anything as far as you know what you're working on, upcoming projects, anything like that? Yeah. Free. Um, but yeah, yeah, where can people find you on the internet?
1: Yeah. Um, so you can find me on Instagram. It's at the Hope Pedraza, just my name. Um, and then I also have a Facebook group, live wholesome and healthy. And, um, it's all about, you know, whol- holistic living and plant focused diet and just using holistic nutrition to build a healthy life.
0: Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I will include all that information in the show notes. So people will be able to find you. Um, right. but thank you so much. It was awesome. You're chatting. welcome. With you. And thank yeah, you. A great thing. Thank you. Thanks
1: so much.